You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Hey girl, do you need a little love and thunder in your life? Well, today on Systematic Geekology, we're going to be talking about the God of Thunder himself, Thor. And with that creepy intro out of the way, I'm your host for today's episode, the heartthrob of the Midwest, Brandon Knight, and I'm joined here today by the real heartbreak kid, Joe Day. Joe, on a scale of one to ten, how was that intro? Uh, that was probably an 11.5. That might, in fact, be the funnest part of us recording together is this game that we play of Cam Brandon pop joe during the intro and the answer is 10 times out of 10 yes 10 times out of 10 the wrestling one i still don't think i'm ever going to be able to duplicate but that one sometimes it comes to me sometimes it's like oh yeah this is this is definitely the gimmick we're going to run for this episode and then sometimes i'm just like do you like geek stuff well, today on Systematic Geekology, because sometimes that's, yeah, whatever. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about Thor. This is the fourth installment, which makes Thor the first solo Marvel character to get four films. The Avengers have four films, but this is the first solo character to pull off four movies. Uh, Joe and I are a couple of DC guys. We know a thing or two about gods and monsters, so this should be fun. When it comes to Thor, for me, I my biggest exposure to the character is the MCU. That's really what I know this character from is Chris Hemsworth's portrayal. I'm familiar with classic Thor, and I really like classic Thor with the uh, Donald Blake. He's a scientist or a doctor, finds a magic cane. He hits it on the ground and he becomes the mighty Thor. I kind of like that. It kind of reminds me more of Shazam, which is who is one of my favorite characters from DC. Overall, though, I'm pretty unfamiliar. And sometimes I wish that there was a whole podcast just devoted to the mighty Thor and taking us across the Biofrost and explaining things, all things Thor to me. Joe, what's your experience with this character? So this is one of those random characters that popped up into the zeitgeist for me at a young age because uh growing up my i would go with my father to clear out um estates getting them ready for like estate sales and things like that and so we would happen upon boxes of comics sometimes and things so random like old comics i've gotten the chance to read and thor is one of them that i just this guy that just turned into another it was just it it all as a kid it read very campy like that's not a mm-hmm. word that i knew at that age but i i i think i enjoyed it at that at that age because of its camp mm-hmm. um for me more of the exposure comes by way of the mythological version of thor okay. um it's kind of a prerequisite if you ever live in minnesota to um have have a uh, a a pretty firm knowledge of um nordic mythology in and minnesota so, yes why scandinavian country this is one of those characters that I, i've always found cool but mm-hmm. because of for a lot of the same reasons why i'm a fan of dc you hit the nail directly mm-hmm. on the head we are 
we we are we are a fan of the world of gods and monsters and you know all of these large I, I think it sums it up perfectly when you had uh one character throwing a planet at another character in one of the last crisis events for DC. I think that's a uh, very good snapshot into DC right there. Uh, true. So so something like this it's been you know, I, I was very excited when I heard that Thor was getting his own movie. And then Shakespeare and then in the happened. Park happened. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare in the Park happened. And I'm like, um <laughs> Yeah, Thor's film history is I guess to some degrees we should be surprised we're on number four. The first one isn't isn't bad. I rewatched it recently. Go back and watch that movie, especially if you like Thor and like talking about Thor on podcasts. You should go back and rewatch that movie because there are so many weird angle shots, just like so many weird, like twist of the camera. I, I, I tried counting and I lost track. It's it was distracting. Right. Huh. That is that is interesting. Go, you know, go rewatch it. it, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to do that. It's one of those that like. I think a lot of the, especially the older uh, MCU films kind of get categorized by major points and like the narrative about those movies kind of gets shaped around those major points. And okay. I, so for me with Thor, it being Shakespeare in the park, I <laughs> I have not gone back and, and rewatched it. You know what I mean? And I don't know, maybe, I, honestly, I think you, I think again, you might be onto something, right? Because I think more people would be into these movies if there was like a whole podcast that that was designed around the idea of talking about all things Thor. We need to maybe maybe pitch that at the next at the next Illuminati meeting. Oh yeah. As as an idea for Spin for yep, definitely. Definitely. I agree with you also going back a little bit. There I've always liked more pop art comic art. Jim Stranko is one of my favorites. And so a lot of Thor covers, I might not have a lot of Thor comics in my collection, but I have stopped at the comic book store and admired plenty of classic Thor covers because they are just colorful and bombastic. And there's Thor and another God and all these colors and a rainbow bridge. Where's the rainbow bridge from? Is that actually Norse mythology? Like, I don't know. Again, that podcast would be helpful. Thor's movie history is a bit spotted because not only do you have the first Thor movie, but you have, for my money, the worst one, the worst MCU movie with Thor The Dark World. That's accounting for Iron Man 3. That's accounting for The Eternals, which I thought was the most boring movie I've ever seen in the theaters. And I saw Batman versus Superman in the theaters. Thor The Dark World and here's here's it's been a while since I've seen it. And my wife and I were rewatching the MCU right now and we're almost there. We just finished phase one. So we're all we're on the peak of getting to this one in phase two. Um, the thing about this one is I think this movie suffers a lot from this is when Disney is starting to put hooks in. Disney acquired Marvel for the Avengers. The Avengers is the first movie that at the very end, you got a little Mickey Mouse emblem at the bottom of the screen. Um I think by Thor The Dark World, this is when Disney is trying to mess with the formula a little bit and make it a little bit more funny, a little bit more of a family movie, and it just falls flat on its face. 
they pick it right back up with Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. But it just it is a huge miss for me when you get to Thor the Dark World. Yeah. So uh, Thor the Dark World is one of those movies that I think I think you're dead on the money. You know, that movie had the opportunity to be something special in the eyes of Guys like us, guys like I think this could have been the entry point in a lot of ways for DC fans to come over and to see something that that they could enjoy, relate with, like something that resonated with them, that sort that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, it was too it was too busy trying to serve other masters in order for Mm -hmm. it to be as effective as it could have been. You know what I mean? Like ultimately for me a lot of the problem that i have with thor movies in general but certain types i don't know certain pockets of the mcu and and different things like that like these different mediums is i i, I don't care why do i care i mean <laughs> I, a i don't i'm not i'm to begin with i'm not the right audience because i don't I didn't like, yes, I grew up with the, the with those covers, like those comic mm-hmm. books. I'll, I honestly, I enjoy that, those types of comic books as well, like those covers for a lot of the mm-hmm. same reasons that I do like Silver Age Flash when it was Barry Allen and okay. all of that, like that same kind of styling and color and vibrancy and all of those things. But as far as like following the story and tracking with it, I would really benefit from a podcast about these things because I didn't go through and follow through the comics and read through year after year after year right. and all of those kinds of things. So when I get to these kinds of to these movies, I just simply don't care. All like these things are happening and you mm-hmm. have not set anything up past either you know, uh we're trying to throw this this storyline out there to capitalize on a thing or we want to start throwing more characters out there because they're from the ca- the comics but if i don't care then i just why do i care that this that this character is making their appearance spoilers for mm-hmm. how i feel about the upcoming thor movie <laughs> all right well we're gonna work our way to it you know i did think of a podcast it's called i fanboy and every week they review the new comics that come out and so they they have their favorites, but they read the the main ones that everyone is supposed to read that we all don't read. And Thor is one of them. And their take on modern Thor comics as it stands right now is basically um, listener discretion is advised. Every series, Thor loses his hammer. He can't get his hammer. He uh, isn't worthy of his hammer. And it's just one big commentary on male incompetence. So if anyone well, else has another opinion, if anyone else has another opinion. Let us know in the comments or on Priests of the Geeks uh, Facebook group. Yeah. Then we get to the uh, third. Oh, no, anything else? No. Nope. So then we get to our third film, Thor Ragnarok. I'm actually going to push back on something that you said in the Multiverse of Madness review. I think this is the first time that I've actually gotten to do a MCU movie episode. I did Morbius and I did What If, and I totally trashed the show that Josh and Dan liked. So I haven't been invited back ever since. But I'm going to push back on something you said, and we'll see what you think of it. You said with Multiverse of Madness that this was the first time that Marvel really let a director, Sam Raimi in this case, do his thing. 
Now, what's funny is actually I've met people who said that they didn't let Sam Raimi do his thing. And I'm like, what Sam Raimi movies are you watching? But I do think that I, I always get I get both of these names wrong. Chloe Zhao. Is that how you say the woman who did the Eternals? I think that's her name. Uh, I'm not sure. Her, Taika Waititi, I think I said that right, and James Gunn, I think they have been allowed to make movies their way. The only difference is that with Zhao, did not work. And with Taika Waititi and James Gunn, their style of movies just happens to match up more with the tone that Marvel is trying to go for. That kind of goofy slapstick, really leaning into pop culture, especially with James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, I would almost argue he helped create the formula that they ended up going with. Now, I'm currently watching watching Peacemaker, so I know James Gunn can go a thousand degrees raunchy. But I do think there has been other directors up until this point that have kind of gotten to work their style and some that haven't. Originally for Ant-Man, Edgar Wright was supposed to be the director for that movie and he left the project being quoted as saying he wanted to make a Marvel movie. Marvel didn't want to make an Edgar Wright film. So there are certain styles that they don't want to go with because they don't think that they it can match up. That's why chances are we're never going to see a Quentin Tarantino MCU film, nor do I want to. No, maybe a Robert Rodriguez one. If you give him the right handful of characters. Anyway, that's all I have to say. And we're now on Thor Ragnarok. Is there anything you want to say towards that? Yeah, I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Okay, I will. I will say maybe it's more accurate to say that that Sam Raimi's movie was the first time that Marvel allowed a director who didn't have a style that was naturally cohesive to theirs do their okay. thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if I know enough about either director's filmography other than the major points to say whether or not they were they were given license to make their own okay. movie or if they were influenced by the mouse to make the movies that they because James Gunn most of what I've seen from James Gunn has been outside of that campy, family-friendly, vibrant lights mm-hmm. sort of approach. I think I feel like a lot of what I hear or I've seen out of him has been more of that raunchy side, more of that, okay. um, you know, more like horror, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what was that not Superman movie that he did? Brightburn? Brightburn, thank you. Couldn't think of yeah. the name of it. Yeah. Um, you mean, so, so you're not familiar that much with Taika Waititi? Um, do I do I know him without realizing that I know him? I mean, you're not like every other millennial who is obsessed with what we do in the shadows. I've never seen that. I've I. It's not for me. I've tried twice. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's I. It's horror. It's comedy, goofy, horror shot like The Office or Parks and Rec with that mockumentary style. It's got everything that I would want in a show, including a Mark Hamill episode. And it's just it's just so dry. And I like dry humor. I love Bill Murray. But this show is so dry. Yeah, that does not sound enjoyable in any way, (laughs) shape or form, Um, which is probably why I've never seen it. But yeah, so I... I still think that if you're comparing apples to apples, 
between either of those actor or either of those directors and what Sam Raimi created. Mm-hmm. What Sam Raimi created was an entirely different league. It was okay. so different than than what is considered Marvel, like what everybody knows to be Marvel up until that point. That like it, I don't know. Like it almost feels like with with Taika Waititi, he followed up on what James Gunn started. Absolutely. Um. As far as whether or not James Gunn started that, I don't. I I would have to. I would have to go back and and watch and all of those kinds of things. I could see it, but I think with the placement with Guardians of the Galaxy, that's the first time that the humor was really emphasized. That's the first time that uh, pop music was really utilized. Up until then, when Paramount was doing the MCU, there they were all ACDC. Like, was ACDC really popular in 2008? Like, it was all ACDC music. Um, but anyway, on to actual Thor Ragnarok now. Sorry about that major rabbit trail. I do agree. This movie is Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but instead, here's Thor and Hulk. Yes. Yeah, that is that is a categorically true statement. And um, <laughs> I remember when I was a 14-year-old boy, and I liked 14-year-old boy things. Like that's this is a movie for fourteen year old boys. Like it's it's fine. It's fine. I like classic rock. Mm-hmm. I love Led Zeppelin. Like there, <laughs> but but that opening sequence oh, was such a stiff turn into Deadpool esque fourth wall breaking. <laughs> True. That it. I don't know. Like it. It just went from zero to sixty super quick and. I don't know, like that that style. That's just not that's not Thor. That was never presented as Thor. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great that they really started to turn away from Shakespeare in the Park. Yes. But uh, yeah, I it, they they went they they took Thor and placed him into a uh, an already established archetype that they that that James Gunn had built. Mm-hmm. And said, "Okay, this is this is now Thor." And honestly, my biggest gripe is, you know, yes, it's a popcorn flick, and I can appreciate a popcorn flick. Mm-hmm. But you happened upon story be like uh, storylines from the comics that I'm actually a really big fan of. I really like World War Hulk. Mm-hmm. I really like what like there's there's a lot baked into that movie from a comic source standpoint. And I just mm-hmm. don't think it does justice to any of it. And the problem is, is that so much of what was presented between that hella, everything, each one of those things were strong enough story points to make their own individual stories out of. And I know rights issues with, with the, with the Hulk sure. and so on and so forth. I get it, but it felt it, it, you sh- you try and shoehorn in so many different things that ultimately you just end up with something that's over bloated and a lot of the flashy colors soundtrack and all of that. I feel like it's just trying to make up for a lack of substance. I'm glad you brought up the rights issue with the Hulk. Cause I agree. This should have just been world war Hulk planet Hulk something that would have, that would have been a lot more interesting, but Disney won't, 
because of contracts and blah, 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 Universal still owns the Hulk. So they can have him on loan to appear in movies, but he can't have another solo film without Disney shelling out a lot of cash, which is the same reason I had to go digging for this one, Joe. That's the same reason why we haven't seen Namor because Universal owns Namor still. Because this whole time I'm like, this is classic Marvel to the extreme. Where's Namor? Yeah. And that's why it is so fascinating to me that Disney will shell out the money for Spider-Man, but they will not touch these universal license characters. Um, honestly, I think that one is just by virtue of the fact that it's there. There is a upper echelon of characters, the top three and some expert out there could could maybe tell me something different. But I would, off the top of my head, rattle off the top three IPs as far as money generators: Superman, Batman, Spider Man. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. If I if I was pressed to give you an order in which I thought they 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 were they were at lucrative, I would say from highest to lowest, Batman's. Spider-Man, Superman, but even saying that doesn't feel right. So don't quote me on that. But uh, honestly, I think that's what it comes down to is uh, these, these other characters are not that they're, they are good accompaniment characters. It just so happens that Hulk happens to have a handful of super significant storylines sure. that, that would work on the big screen and all of that. But my guess is that they don't see it as lucrative enough from a merchandising standpoint, which blows my mind because just put the, if this, if I'm just saying, if this was the nineties, this would have already been done because everybody and their mother would have had Hulk big foam fists. They would have just monetized that and helmets, like, you know, headgear, Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And there would have been kids beating the tar out of each other in the backyard everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, um, and it's the not 90s like, were a crazy time. <laughs> and it's not like Disney doesn't know how to market a character to get them over. How many people love Groot now and have stuff with Groot on it? Right? They like, got a tree over, guys. Let's be honest. <laughs> they got a talking tree that says one phrase over. They can get basically Marvel's Aquaman over. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So we have this track record. Shakespeare, Shakespeare in the Park a dud, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 starring Thor and Hulk. Why are we on Thor 4? Now, I know what the answer is. <laughs> Money! Money is makes the world go round. But why Why Thor? Um, honestly, I think because Taika, because Taika Watiki unlocked an evolved version of what James Gunn started. I think that it was the right director that created a film that Chris Hemsworth has gone on record to say that he legitimately enjoyed making in Ragnarok. Mm, Okay. And that he enjoys leaning into more of that comedic side and all of those kinds of things. Okay. So I think that is part of it that, that Taika came behind or came, it came through and just the, those two hit it off The You know, they, they, Mm -hmm. all of those things. I think the, other part of this conversation outside of outside of money you know I, I think we are in a point right now in the MCU where there's more experimentation 
than mm. ever before. And I think part of what they're going to try and go for here is experimenting with showcasing other parts of the Thor mythos. Now, for those of you that have truly and honestly kept your head in the sand as far as what the two biggest story beats are for the newest Thor movie, now is the time. We'll catch you on the flip side. Check out the SG drive-in, usual plugs. You can find us all the places. And let us know if you know of any Thor podcast. Okay, so now we're on the movie. So, yeah. so we're, we are going to be introduced to um, Lady Thor. And I, again, I really wish that there was some definitive source for me to know whether or not I'm actually, if that's something that I just picked up from the interwebs or if that's actually an accurate name for her. From the little bit that I have had exposure to with this character, it's either Jane Foster or the Mighty Thor. Emphasis on the mighty part seems to be what they differentiate it. It's not like with Gwen Stacy, how she's gone through like seven names since becoming Spider Gwen goes Spider Spider Woman. Um, No knock against the character, though. I love I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of the comics I have read of the Gwen stuff. But yeah, I think it's the mighty Thor or just still Jane Foster. Okay. So, so the Mighty Thor is is going to be in this uh, th- this movie, and it is Natalie Portman. Um, Praise the, God. The, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Um, the other side of it is Gore the God Butcher, uh, starring uh, Christian Bale. Christian. Okay, so I'm gonna start with the more controversial one and then i want to give flowers to the one that's kind of going more under the radar because of the mighty thor um oh i don't care i just don't like what what it's not to me to me it's indifferent and that's and that in a lot of respects is worse than don't get me wrong there i'm sure i haven't come across any namely because i try to stay away from toxic fans and all of that and we have a really, really good group here in, in SG. Um, but I, I'm sure that there are people that take it the bridge too far, that make it gross, that make it toxic, all of the things, woman, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure that that is an aspect of this. But to me, indifference is worse than having an emotion about a thing. Because at least if you are eliciting an emotion, that means you're over. If you don't care, that means you're not over. And I feel mm, like okay. this is a movie that's very specifically for Thor fans. So if there okay. were to be people out there that were knowledgeable enough to like, I don't know, start a podcast or do something like that, like really love Thor, you'd probably love the idea that this character that's a part of the periphery is now going to be a part of it. And honestly, I hope you guys get, all of your hopes and dreams get the sure. movie that you want and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've got no inherently no problem. The other side of this for me, when it comes to Jane Foster as a whole is I am not a fan of Natalie Portman. I oh, do really? not think that she is a good actress. I okay. just don't, I just, it, it, it's all, it feels like, somebody trying to act i don't ever believe okay. her in any role that i've ever seen her in would you categorize feel- her in the tom cruise group 100 yeah okay okay you know except except for with tom cruise at least he's got some personality and some charisma i think natalie portman knows 
how to do one thing and she tries to do that thing just in different contexts. You know okay. what I mean? But okay. so 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 those those powers combined, that part of it it like when I saw the when I saw the um the uh trailer for mm -hmm. for that side of it, I'm like whatevs. You know what I mean? Like it mm -hmm. it is what it is. I didn't have I like I knew that the character existed prior to this. Uh, I knew that she that he take or she had taken over for Thor Odinson uh, in the comics for a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, meh. I, I I already wasn't reading Thor comics, so ultimately it bore no real significance. Um, from what I understand, they did a lot of very strong. Like they they made her into a character that wasn't just oh hey look a female version of this sure. character that already mm -hmm. existed. From what I understand, they gave her more agency than that. I just like I said, meh. Um, the other side of that, actually, I'll let you go as far as as far as thoughts on Lady Thor before we get to Gore the God Butcher. I'm gonna do you one better. I am indifferent to this entire film. Oh boy, this entire film. Is it going to be better than this movie? Yes. I was more interested in Morbius than this movie. This trailer took so long to come out. And then when it finally did, I, it was still like another month for us finally watched it. I don't really care. I, and for all you Thor lovers out there, I am so done with Loki. I don't know if he's going to be in the movie or not. Homeboy has died every time he's been on the screen. Always comes back. I get it. Y'all like Tom Hiddleston. And... The Loki show was fine. I showed up for Owen Wilson and I stayed for Sylvie. But I am I'm done with Loki of all of the OG phase one characters. He's got to go. I'm done with yeah. it. I don't know if he's even in this movie, but this is in the only time I've been able to complain about it. So here we are. I really don't care. I I'm all for. OK, so I do kind of like Natalie Portman as an actress, especially in V for Vendetta. I think she does fairly well in that movie. The prequel Star Wars films, I just, everybody looks bad next to Hayden Christensen. That's right. All you Gen Zers who thinks that he got bullied out of Hollywood. Yes, he did. And it's because he's a bad actor. You can't get away from that part. He is a bad actor. The little bit of screen time he had on Kenobi was still bad acting. Anyway, although I do agree with you when it comes to Jane Foster. I'm not because I have heard some of this. Good for you to stay away from the toxic fans. Oh, look, it's Marvel shoving another female character down our throats. Look, boy, get over yourself. Just get over it. What is wrong with us? Not even us. We have no say in this. What is wrong with a multimillion dollar company trying to do what a multimillion dollar company should do and make more multimillions of dollars by putting out characters that are going to find people that are going to gravitate towards them. That's what they're going to do. Right. And so it, I, I, and I want to, I want to echo that and say, mm -hmm. you know what, if, if this is, if this is something that, that is a struggle, then, then ask yourself, why is this a struggle? Now, mind you, mm -hmm. like I said before, we've got a really strong group here. So this is more sure. of a, Hey, you know, let's let's rally together for the fact that somebody is actually yeah. saying this rather than this being the group that needs yes. the corrective statement. Right. But honestly, if you are like, taking this as a corrective statement, you're probably in the minority in our group. 
Like we yeah, do have agreed. a very healthy community. Agreed. Um, Marvel, coming at this as a DC fan, up until this point, Marvel does not have a Wonder Woman. They don't. Wonder Woman is the most over superhero, female superhero in comics. Period. Yeah. Hard stop. But thanks to the MCU, this has really put over Scarlet Witch. This has really put over Black Widow. They are working on putting over other female characters. I've kind of enjoyed Miss Marvel. It's very different, especially coming off of Moon Knight, especially coming off of Moon Knight. But I've kind of enjoyed it's not really for me. This is a teenage Muslim girl, but it's fun and lighthearted and it's going to connect with somebody. I thought the presentation of America Chavez in Doctor Strange was fine enough. Like, cool. Here's a new character I know nothing about. But we toxic fans. And I know there's only there's not too many of you here. So I'm shouting into the void a little bit here. But man, toxic fans can really ruin a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's. So any problem that I had with America Chavez in Multiverse of Madness was not that character was just the vessel for Disney to be Disney. So my problem is with Disney. My problem is not with the character. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a secular company that makes secular stories that for for a secular world. And we're angry that they have an LGBTQ plus character. Come on, man. Like Come not on, you, everything you is that. Yeah, not everything is for us. Not everything is for this mindset, this playbook, this whatever. Like however you want to say that. It, it, not everything is curtailed to a specific type of mm-hmm. messaging. That's just a part that that's just a part of interacting with media that is in the world that we operate in and enjoying things and not everything Mm -hmm. having to say this one specific message and all of that. Does that mean you agree with all of it? No, that's not what that means. But for me, it wasn't so much about, Oh, that messaging and the fact that they worked that in. It was the fact that like Disney be Disney at the end. And that, that the wheels came off of that movie at the end and her mm. character was the vehicle for the wheels to come off the movie. Sure. So sure. That's but fair. but all all in all, honestly, I hope that this, you know, they do Lady they do Lady Thor or they do the Mighty Thor and, you know, all of the things and that she's able to be this this beacon of of you know, uh, power for women and and everything, mm-hmm. you know, that that they wanted. Um Miss Marvel, but Carol Danvers to be and Mm. failed miserably with flying colors and just fought toxic fire with toxic fire. But I digress. That's that's why I didn't bring her up a moment ago when I was talking about Black Widow and Scarlet Witch, because I personally actually liked the Captain Marvel film. But I know that whatever they were trying to do, apparently for the greater community of comic fans did not land well. And part of that's Brie Larson, IRL, and part of that is uh, just the presentation of the film. It wasn't for some people. I actually really like that one. That one actually would make my top 10 list, but I withheld that because I know she's not over. They are here. Here's our obligatory or our obligation wrestling reference. She's getting the Roman Reigns treatment. Like they are trying to push her to the top. And if they would just stop trying to shoehorn it, it could actually work. 
Um, I mean, there is the, the slight prerequisite that they have to tell a good story that has good action and actually, you know, allows things to happen organically and all of those kinds of things. But that's an entirely other conversation. Um, so, yeah, with with this, I, I'm not I'm I'm glad that it's happening. But like I said, for mm-hmm. half of this, I could care less. Gore, Gore, the God Butcher. I have an odd introduction to this character when it was happening real time i did not know about it but i stumbled upon in my youtube uh journeys a motion comic that somebody uh that somebody created and and did voice work for and all of that look it up it's awesome um but that was my my first introduction to gore the god butcher it went through the entirety of the arc um from from beginning to end and and mm-hmm. only took out like only did the comics that were pertaining at that time to to gore oh, and made it into okay. one long story basically like one movie okay. length thing um cool. yeah that that the way that that was done was enough to make me care and then i heard it was christian bill and i was like interesting and then i saw him and i'm like okay we can do something with this we can work <laughs> with this like this is something that like I really think could be awesome and shocker of all shockers. When you get into it, it's all about the mythologies of these different gods in the, mm. in the uh, Marvel universe. It goes into the pantheon of forgotten gods and all of this. Ta- like it gets deep into the mythological realm of okay. Marvel. And so for a DC guy to be hearing that, like I'm like yeah that's sign me sign me up like that was that was a okay. really good story arc within the comics and that excites me except you've got this thorn in your side of having two stories that are going to be competing for screen time it looks like like okay. I I just don't I don't know as though I've ever seen a film navigate this well and and okay. you know I I I think. The pro- the problem is is when you try and serve multiple masters, you c- you don't actually serve any of them. That's like a Bible verse or something. Yeah, it's almost like the Bible said something about that. Roll credits anyway. Um, yeah, I always forget that Christian Bale's in this movie. Again, I'm just so indifferent towards this thing. I've seen the makeup; he looks really cool. Yeah. Christian Bale isn't that big of a draw to me as an actor because the Dark Knight trilogy. Is overrated. I said it. I said it. Will I'm coming for you, Will. (laughs) He beat me to it, and I will. Please forgive me for I have sinned. I have not seen all of American Psycho, which I know is like the Christian Bale movie. If you haven't, if you don't like the uh, Dark Knight trilogy, I do know the VHS tape reference. The thing that I'm like, oh well, that will be kind of fun. Is one Chris Pratt's in the movie, which is probably going to be a minor part of having the guardians of the galaxy. I imagine they're going to be in it for like the first five minutes and then they're deuces onto our third movie where we're going to finally introduce Adam Warlock after 10 years of waiting for that part to happen. The part that keeps interesting me is that Russell Crowe is playing Zeus. I'm like, yeah, he is. Yeah, he totally would be Zeus. (laughs) Liam Neeson and Russell Crowe would both be Zeus at some point. (laughs) Yeah, that tracks. Absolutely. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, that so to me, this is a perfect opportunity to get into more of 
this extended side of of the comic book mm-hmm. storytelling in a way that hasn't really been explored in the ways that it, it could be. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think a okay. lot has been left on the table as far as this side of comic book storytelling. Um honestly in favor of more grounded storytelling like yes we've had thanos yes the infinity gauntlet yes 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 but i know enough about marvel to say that in the grand hierarchy there's a lot of rungs higher on the ladder than thanos and it can really start to get into some some crazy stuff the higher you go so you know what character would bring me for this movie i have a slight fascination with beta ray bill so there's this part of me that's hoping if we're going to expand all of the thor universe more and get like get really deep into it i'm really hoping for a beta ray bill cameo especially since in the loki show there was an alligator loki so somewhere in the multiverse yeah he's out there yeah i'm i'm hoping that the side pieces, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, if they're going to be in it, fine. I honestly just hope that they are a vehicle for introducing Adam Warlock because I am excited for Adam Warlock because that gets mm. that gets into that God side of that higher mm. that higher end of things as far as Marvel goes. Um, and, and I think that you know cutting cutting a lot of the things that tie it to the being grounded and just allowing stories about gods to be stories about gods would be a something different and b would would breathe new life into the MCU in a lot of ways because again it's kind of like that whole multi multiverse thing. I understand multi the multiverse has been the big buzzword that they've been experimenting with, but mm-hmm. you can experiment with things outside of just the multiverse. Like ex, ex, mm. explore what it means for these different, you know, gods to exist and different things like that. Like allow for more experimentation and for the love of everything that is holy keep loki out of it that show was overrated <laughs> that show was not good i said it that show was not good um but the i think that for me is if if i had to give my what am i hoping for out of this movie um that that would probably be mine um but that being said, it, you know, I, the one the one slight that I did hear going around about Jane Foster being in this movie is that apparently there's a large sentiment of people that think like you that that want Beta Ray Bill. They would rather have seen Beta Ray Bill get that oh. spot rather than Jane Foster Thor. Again, I'm not I've seen I, I've seen Beta Ray Bill in some periphery stuff as I've, mm-hmm. you know, been exposed to different Marvel things. I don't have a lot of strong feelings one way or the other, so I don't necessarily care. But apparent but that has been the large complaint that I've heard. I I would not change that. I would rather have both. Is there a universe mm-hmm. where I can have both? Why is it always both and toxic fans? Riddle me this. <laughs> Why is it always and or why can't it be the same? It's the same thing. Also, I'm not like a huge fan of Beta Ray Bill. 
again, kind yeah. of that periphery. It's just he's an alligator with Thor's powers. Like, yeah, everybody knows everybody knows me well enough. If you've been listening to the show for a while. Oh, yeah, that's that's the type of goofy stuff that Brandon's into. Like, cool. Right. I'll take that nonsense. I will also say I would not be surprised if we also got an Eternals cameo because I think after the results of the Eternals film, they're going to get the Taika Waitiki James Gunn treatment to try and salvage them, especially just based, especially just based off of the only good part of that movie. The end credit scene when Harry Styles showed up, it was already the tone was already so much different. Yeah, I I think, you know, as far as the, the cosmic side of the way the MCU is telling these stories and my my opinion of this may be revisited after we watch the movie. But, you know, at, at Sniff Test, it almost seems like Taika is the best director to take the reins on the cosmic side. Maybe second best to James Gunn, but it looks like James Gunn's now a DC guy. So I'll take know. him. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm I am more than happy to have James Gunn. That's honestly, I think James Gunn should just be given the book and just be like, okay, you're now in charge of the DC uh, EU. Okay. That whole the whole cinema side, just let him take the book and create the universe. I think they should stop trying to make it a cohesive universe and just give it pockets. Here's the pot and just do the pockets that are working. Here's uh, Reeves with his the Batman universe. Here's James Gunn. He can have like this suicide squad group, this like street level characters, anti-hero characters. You can have the people who are doing Shazam, Black Adam, like that stuff's all kind of working and just have these different pockets rather than one cohesive thingy. Yeah, it's almost like that's really how DC told their stories for like decades. You yeah. know what I mean? They were, it really was not the the Justice League wasn't the forefront premier team that it is now it, it, at at no. certain point like it was it was very much isolated like flashes in keystone city or in central city depending on which flash we're talking about <laughs> um you know superman's in metropolis batman's in gotham you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's not that we're saying no they don't exist in the same universe but that's not the first form first foremost thing Mm-hmm. in the conversation of it is a shared universe, you know? Yes. So everyone's it, got a territory. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think with, I think with this, there's, there's a lot of potential. I think if they just, if they make it, if they let it be a popcorn flick, cool. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it in the same way that I'll take uh Ragnarok. I'll, I'll give Ragnarok its flowers that it's, it's more fun than some of the other alternatives within the MCU. But ultimately it, it lacks substance. I think it would be a little, a little sad that given, given the major uh, story beats that they seem to be going after in this movie, if it's non substantive and just fun, I think in this one, you count that as more of a net loss like uh, that okay. than than you would with Ragnarok I think it's a little bit more acceptable with Ragnarok to just have a f- popcorn flick but okay. especially if you're going to be if the goal from a production standpoint is to extend out the MCU and to keep this thing going and to breathe new life into it then I think that this is one of those movies you need to at least get some people on base 
with for all yes. you sports ball fans. Yes. Touchdown. No, I, I agree with that. And we'll start wrapping it up after I close this out here. I think it's time for Marvel to start putting some stakes down in what direction we're headed next. Yeah. I know it took a lot longer to get to Thanos, but we also didn't have six shows going. There's a lot of content out there. And there's a lot of depictions on how the multiverse apparently works. Each one's a little bit different. Yeah. I think this might this movie needs to be the hinge. We're done playing around with the multiverse. Oh, look, here's Tobey Maguire. Here's Andrew Garfield. Thank you very much. I need I need to know a direction. And since we're dealing with gods, since we're dealing with cosmic Marvel cosmic stuff, Galacticus, you know, Galactus, you know, somebody throw me a bone here. Throw me a next big bad or start tying these loose ends together a little bit for me with this movie. If they accentuate strengths, then I think that Galactus could be the next major big villain. I understand that they are likely building towards Secret Wars. I I, I do. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But... I think that Galactus is one of those characters that if given the proper weight can can be uh, among among the pantheon of the biggest bads of oh, the universe sure. in in a lot of regards not just be like a throwaway villain or something along those lines. So I'm really hoping that that is the I would almost say allow for the Fantastic 4 and for Galactus stories to be told in other people's movies along the way, rather than giving them their own standalone film. Please. That's an entire other conversation. Yes. Um, but, uh. but yeah, I, I think now is the time if you want people to reinvest because the infinity saga ending was a natural jumping off point for a lot of people. And if we want to keep people caring about this universe, we need to push push the ball forward in some definitive direction rather than just circling the drain with, Oh, it could, if, if it works like this, Oh, but over here, it works like this. Oh, but those two contradict each other. Let's ignore that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for a film company that has really tried to keep plot holes as closed off as possible. Yeah. There's a lot of plot holes right now. All right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Joe, do we have any recommendations today for our audience? So I would recommend to um, show some love to the um, the YouTube content creators uh, out there that have summed up uh, Gore the God Butcher and um, Lady Thor. Obviously, go support your local comic book shop. Go support the industry. All of those kinds of things. But... If you're not going to go buy the buy the runs, at least get yourself exposed to the characters and who they are before going into it, just in case Marvel doesn't really give either character that's proper weight, then you at least have a better idea of who these characters are. Nice. I'll have to go check that out. I have two. First off is to go take a trip down memory lane and rewatch the classic 90s silver surfer cartoon i watched that recently and is it is it good i mean it's not it, it definitely you know fails in comparison to a lot of the other great 90s cartoons as an adult 
it's very engaging. It's got a lot of good uh, ethical dilemmas that come up in it. And it's worth watching, if nothing else, for every episode is just a cacophony of cosmic Marvel characters. Ego, the living planet, classic depictions of Drax the Destroyer, Beta Ray Bills in an episode. It's a lot of fun. Theme song sucks, but the rest of it's pretty good. Second recommendation, you definitely have to check out this podcast, Ministry Misfits, where Joe and I were recently guest appearance on to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the newest uh, Star Wars show to have wrapped up. Uh, and it, you, should, you just need to check out the episode. Show some love to them. Show some love to their community and tell them you want us you want us to come back over there sometime. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Oh, did you have something? Just just one more. I just want to throw this out there for when you guys are listening to this and this goes live. Find the Priest to the Geeks um, uh, Facebook group if you're not already uh, a part of it. And what yes. I want you to do is drop a comment below this post. And, and if you hear of any Thor-centric podcast, we need to know. Otherwise, we're just going to go ahead and make it ourselves. We're just going to make it ourselves. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure you go on over to systematgeekology.org to check out all the episodes and all the various projects that all the hosts are a part of. And if you haven't yet already, please subscribe to our Patreon. Hey, shout out to Patreon supporter Ryan Doze for being such a devoted fan of the show and showing up in our group chat or not in our group chats, but on the priest of the geeks group page, maybe he'll know about the podcast. Um, yeah. Shout out to you, buddy. Thanks for showing some love to the show. Join the, our Patreon community where we have bonus episodes, starting a brand new series where TJ is geeking out about beverages. I think him and Joe just did an episode on coffee, etc. Maybe uh, we haven't done it yet, but we're going to going to cool. I want to do one on Mountain Dew flavors. Thank you again for listening, everybody. And until next time, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.